Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons, Bible teacher and president of Florida Bible College in beautiful Orlando. Listen now as Stan makes it clear. Hi, my name is Stan Pons, and I'm the host of Make It Clear and the president of Florida Bible College in beautiful Orlando, Florida. Thank you for listening to the daily Bible teaching here on Make It Clear. From time to time, I want to bring to you Bible teachers and friends from seasons of yesterday and today who had a great influence in my life, hoping they'll add value to yours as they did mine. Well, today's guest Bible teacher and author is Dr. Mark G. Cameron. As a young boy, he came to faith in Christ through the ministry of Billy Sunday, and then later in life, he worked side by side with W.B. Riley and the Northwestern Bible Schools in Minneapolis, and then with Lee Roberson at Tennessee Temple in Chattanooga. Then Dr. Cameron became the vice president of Florida Bible College when it began in 1962. Did you know he was one of the most popular Bible teachers at Florida Bible College because of his love for Jesus Christ, his love for the Word of God, his love for Jewish people, founding Seaside Mission to Jewish people in Miami, and of course to all of us as students. We'll never forget his love for his beloved wife, Miss Mary. I learned Bible doctrines and hermeneutics from his class at Florida Bible College and from his books. And today, my friends, I am happy to have you listen to one of his past messages, and hopefully you'll be as blessed from it as I was. But here's my guest today, Dr. Mark G. Cameron. Oh, thank you ever so much. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, what a joy it is to be with you, Dr. Stanford, and the rest of you ranks, the directors, and you. Young people, it's wonderful to be here, here at FBC. My, I just hope the Lord lets me live till uh, August the 23rd when we begin again. Oh, the Lord has blessed. Do we have anyone, I don't guess so, from Pennsylvania? Anyone from Pennsylvania? Ah, amen. Oh, that's uh, anyone from New York? Anyone from New York? Yes. Boy, I've been up there all this summer, had the greatest time. Boy, just like air-conditioned all the time, under two and three blankets every night. Then when I got down here last week, I nearly exasperated, couldn't hardly get my breath. Those are two wonderful states. Uh, I don't know what you're doing down here, but I can can understand the Lord brought you down here. And I hope and pray that many of you come here to Florida Bible College. Will you turn with me over here? There's two or three questions we're going to... Ask from the Bible, and then we're going to go right into the Word of God and bring to you. Will you look over here on page 578, Job 14, 14. Job 14, 14. In your Schofield Bible, 578. The question is asked this, If a man die, shall he live again? If a man die, shall he live again? That's talking about physical death. Will you turn now over here to 1 Corinthians 15 and the 35th verse, and that's on page 1227 in your Schofield Bible. But some man will say, How are the dead raised up, and with what body do they come? If a man die, shall he live again? That's been asked for the last five, six thousand years. Now, since that time, man has believed in a resurrection. We know that in every religion of the whole wide world, we have been in some of the greatest museums in the Near East, such as Cairo, Egypt, 
seeing all the things, the beauties, and uh, all the, uh, uh, the graves and so forth down there. And we found out that when a Pharaoh died, they always had a small boat there. They killed many of his uh, slaves and placed their bodies there, tending his uh, uh, sarcophagus. For they believed that he would take his slaves and get on board boat and sail for another land, believing in the resurrection. Wherever you go, there is the universal belief that there is a resurrection. We begin to say this, whoever taught you that there was a God, no one ever had to teach you that there is a God. You never got that from your Sunday school teacher. You never got that from your pastor. You never got that from your mother and father. That was born in you. And so it is with knowing that there is going to be a resurrection of the dead. No one ever had to tell you that. You know that. It's when we get older that we are taught that there is no God. I'm an atheist, thank God, said the man. All right. You know what? When we get in there, we find out that uh, atheism has to be taught. Belief in a God does not have to be taught. To know who the true God is, we must find out through God's Word, of course. But the universal belief that there is a God, the universal belief that there is a resurrection, the universal belief that there is a judgment, the universal belief that there is a heaven, and the universal belief that there is a hell, therefore proves to us that there is a God, there is a resurrection, there is a judgment to come, there is heaven, and there is hell. Now that's born in you, but the Word of God tells us who God is, how we can know Him. The Bible is the only source that tells us how the dead are going to be raised. The Bible itself only tells us of the true judgment. The Word of God truly tells us who is going to hell, and the Word of God is the only source that we have that shows us how we can escape hell and go to heaven. If a man dies, shall he live again? And a man may say or ask, with what body do they come? With all the things going around now, and especially since we've had so many wars. I, I was a little boy during World War One, young man during World War Two, Korean War, Vietnam. Some of you know only of the Vietnam uh, conflict, but in my lifetime there have been several wars, and since World War Two, especially. The charlatans, the sorcerers, these uh, people who say that they can talk with the dead are flourishing because people have lost their loved ones in battle and they want to know, is it possible to talk with the dead? Where are the dead? That is our my message and topic tonight. Where are the dead? We begin to ask, if a man dies, shall he live again? With what body shall he come? Then we begin to ask this, until the resurrection... And until they receive a body, whether they be saved or lost, what about the dead? Can we get in touch with them? We know that there is a certain bishop of a certain denomination who denied the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. I heard him myself on television saying this. Do you believe that Jesus, the Son of God, of course not, no more than I am? Do you believe that he died for our sins? Of course I do not believe he died for my sins. He died because of his own rascality. Death was too good for him. Uh, a bishop saying that. That's the world. Death was too good for him. But that man went out to 
trying to prove more against the deity of the Lord Jesus and of his bodily resurrection. And he, like Judas, fell down and his bowels gushed out. We do not believe that he committed suicide, but it's bad about as well. But here we find out that he did not believe during his lifetime in the deity of Christ. He did not believe in the person of the Holy Spirit. He did not believe in salvation by grace through faith. He did not believe that Christ died for our sins, was buried, and rose again the third day, making the complete payment for our sin. He did not believe that. But when his son, his own son, committed suicide, he believed that through a charlatan and through seances he could go ahead and therefore talk with his son. And he talked with others who said that they had had an interview with his son. He wouldn't believe God's word, but he would believe the charlatan's word. There are a lot of people come up to me and says, uh, Dr. Cameron, what do you think about this person over here? They're 85% right. I said, I don't want anybody but 100% right. Somebody said, well, this one is pretty good. Oh, boy, they've come out. How about this latest one? You know, this lady's coming out. Oh, she has a crystal ball. She has that. I said, according to the Word of God, she's a witch, and a witch ought to be taken out and stoned to death. Now, that's what God says. Now, I don't say we go out and stone her. No, not like that. But now, that ends that. What do you think of all the things she has to say? Nothing. Bunk. Well, well she got some things true. Well, I can make a lot of predictions, too. But now, here we want to find out, can you talk with the dead? Can you, therefore, talk with someone who's gone on, whether they're saved or whether they be lost? Oh, there are a lot of wonderful Christian people who would give anything if they could just recall and say, if I could only know where my son is, whether he's saved or whether he's lost. Now, we want to say right this, the Word of God says, appointed unto men to die, after that the judgment. There's no such thing as communicating with the dead. There are such things as communicating with and through these uh, parties, seances, and uh, go around with these uh, uh, mediums and have all they have to do. As one man told me, he says, I have seen, seen them in working, and I say 85% of it's fake and 15% of it is spiritualism. I know uh, one man, Jim McGinley, said that he went to one Saturday night in a certain uh, city up here in Pennsylvania, said he got up there and he wasn't supposed to start his Bible conference till the next day. And so he uh, had Saturday night off and he was going down the church page and he found out where they were having a, uh, one of these uh, medium meetings. Uh, see, and so he says, I just go there. So he said, I got there about 30 minutes ahead of time and I went there and there, there was this room with about 150, 200 uh, individual chairs. I sat back, way back in the back, and I had my overcoat with me, and I just put it on the next chair. And before you know it, a few more people began to come in, and uh, about 15 minutes before we were supposed to take up, a lady came out from behind the curtain and says, There is an unclean spirit here. Would you please go? Everyone began to look around and see what in the world she was talking about. Said, I knew she was talking about me. I knew it. And says, you know, more people began to come in and began to come in. And I had to take up my coat and put it in my, my lap there because the place was filled now. And just one minute before time to begin, this woman came out and said, 
I said for that unclean spirit to leave. Well, I knew it was I. He said, I got up, went through the rest of the aisle there, went back in the back and hollered. The blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us from all sin. Immediately, the medium says, the seance is closed. want you to know that there is some truth in these mediums and so on. It's spiritualism. It's devil worship, demon-inspired, and so forth. You cannot talk with the dead. You cannot see people that are going, Oh, Brother Cameron, I know I saw somebody. You had too many hamburgers with onions on it. Amen. Now, now here we are. Now, where are the dead? Now, we're going to see here that God says, It's appointed unto men to die, and after that the judgment. There is no escaping where men go. If they're saved, we know where they go. We'll find that in just a minute. Where, where, if their man happens to be lost, we know where they go. There is no escaping where men go when they die. We know that death is not final destruction or total annihilation. When God breathed into man's nostrils the breath of life, man became a living Nephish, a living soul. He has a soul that will live forever, whether in a body or out of a body. The dead are out of their bodies. If they are saved, they are out of their bodies and a certain place. If they are lost, they are out of their bodies and are someplace. Man is body, soul, and spirit. In the Word of God, we find out that the body is the place, the tabernacle that man dwells in. The soul of man is the seat of his appetites and feelings. The spirit is a seat of his intelligence. Now, the soul and spirit are always together. When a man dies, the body is placed into the grave. The soul and spirit go somewhere. The soul and spirit are always together. They can be divided because it said the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing of sunder of soul and spirit and joints and marrow. And it is a discerner, critic of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. The word of God can divide the soul and spirit. But we find that when men die, no matter whether they are saved or whether they're lost, the soul and spirit are together. And... Without their bodies, they can feel, they can see, they can know, they can understand, and they can hear. The soul is a seat of his appetites and feelings. Knowing, understanding, we find out, Paul says, I heard things unlawful for, for me to utter. Therefore, right and wrong. Intelligence. His spirit was there. Now... Now, whether a man is saved or lost, his soul and spirit comes from his body. There is a place for the saved. There is a place for the lost. Where are the dead? They do not escape, and we know the saints will not want to escape where they are. Now, we'll have to go ahead and find out where did people go, that is, their soul and spirit, before the Lord Jesus died upon the cross of Calvary. Then we'll find out where Jesus 
who took upon himself flesh in order that he could die for mankind. Where did he go? His human soul and spirits go when he died. Then where do saints go today since the Lord Jesus Christ died, was buried, and bodily resurrected from the dead? Where do the lost people today go? Now, as we get into the Word of God, let's go over here to Luke, the 16th chapter. Luke 16th chapter, and that's page 1098. Page 1098. We recommend to you that you get the Schofield Reference Bible. I like the, the old Schofield uh, so much. The reason why I've been using it for 35 years, that's the reason. And, and I, I may forget where things are found. A young lady asked me about a certain uh, place, but I couldn't remember it right then. But just give me time. I know there's in a certain page, in a certain book, at a certain, you know, uh, there, there it be. But you know what? Uh, uh, after getting used to this, but the Schofield Bible, the Dixon Bible, the Thompson Chain Bible, and the New Schofield Bible are wonderful. And that you need a reference Bible that will help you unless you are a Greek student and you have your testament with you at all times. But we'd just like to point this out on the word hell, H-E-L-L. You're going to find this in the Old Testament. Now, we're talking about in the English now. You're going to find the word hell in the Old Testament. You're going to find it in the New Testament. Right off, when we say that a man goes to hell, we mean the everlasting punishment, do we not? All right. But now you're going to find it that when the translators went into the Old Testament Hebrew, they came across several, several words. And why they translated them all hell, I do not know. One was the place of the immediate stage of the dead, where the saved lost. She all, but they translated it hell. We find also that they came across the word grave. Not all places, but in many places, they, when they came across the word grave, they just translated it hell. When they came across the word pit, not all times, but many times, they came across the word pit and they just called it hell. Now you find out that in the Old Testament they had the Sheol, the place of departed spirits. They had the grave. They had pit, all translated hell. Now come to the New Testament. We find out that the word Gehenna is translated hell, and that's the correct word for it. That's the place, as we find that uh, in the uh, west and the southern part of the city of Jerusalem, Dr. Sam and I have been there, and we took our pictures there, where the old uh, dump was, where they continuously burned the garbage and the dead bodies, you know, of the beast. And we saw the place, no fire there now. But there was by uh, what was known as Gehenna, the everlasting fire. That's translated correctly, hell, in the ninth chapter of Mark. But then we find the word Hades. Now, we're in the New Testament now. We're in the New Testament word, and the word Hades is for the place of departed spirits, whether be saved or lost. Then, as we find it, they, they had Tarsus. This is the inmost place of Hades, and we find that in Second Peter, the second chapter, where the... And uh, now we find out a lot of these words should be just translated Sheol, Hades, Pit, Grave. But why they did that, we do not know. And it gets us confused. But now here in the 16th chapter, most of us have thought that this scripture is talking about 
two men who died, and one went to heaven, and one went to everlasting hell. But that's not right. It is the story of two men. One was saved, one was lost. It was before the Lord Jesus Christ died upon the cross, and he tells us who they are. Someone said, this is a parable, but parables do not use proper names. But if it was a parable, the Lord Jesus always gave parables built upon truths and true stories. Over here now in the 19th uh, verse of the 16th chapter of Luke, we find these two men. One was saved and one was lost. It's for the word uh, uh, Hades, the immediate state of people, whether saved or lost, is translated there here, hell, and it should be Hades. And your Schofield Bible, if you've got one there, on page 1098 tells us, There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen, and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, which was laid at his gates full of sores, and was desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. This is the Jewish way of saying a paradise. It's called Abraham's bosom, also paradise for the saved. Now, we find out this, and the rich man also died and was buried and in hell. Here we find the word Hades. Now, the correct is Hades. Now, we know they are both in the same part, but they are separated by a great gulf. They both went to Hades on death. Now, this is before Christ died upon the cross. And in Hades he lifted up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus, that he may dip the tip of his finger in water, and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receiveth thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things, but now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. And beside all this betwixt us and you there is a great gulf fixed, a chasm there, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Now, we're finding out that one did not go to heaven and the other went to what we call the everlasting hell. Well, we find out this, that they both went to a place called Hades, and Hades is in two compartments. One is for the saved and one is for the lost. The saved, for the saved place, is called Abraham's bosom, and another place, paradise. The other place is called torment. And there their soul and their spirit are there. Now we find out that he was tormented and he wanted uh, Abraham to let Lazarus come put his hand in water and cool his tongue, showing to us that his soul and his spirit was there, though his body was in the grave. Now here is where the dead went before the Lord Jesus died upon the cross. They both, saved and lost, went to Hades. The Old Testament word is Sheol. Hebrew, Sheol, same thing. Now, how do you know that Sheol and Hades are the same? Real quickly, look in the 16th Psalm. 
the 16th Psalm, and we find that David is speaking about the Lord Jesus, that he was, the Lord Jesus was not going to be left in a certain place, and we know that where that place is. Well, you look there on page 605 in Psalm 16 and the 10th verse. For thou will not leave my soul in hell. Now, David is not speaking about himself, but he's speaking about the Lord Jesus. Now, this word hell, you see there in the margin, is Sheol. Neither will I suffer thy holy one to see corruption, showing to us that the Lord Jesus is going to rise from the dead the third day. This same scripture is quoted at Pentecost, will you look there to the second chapter of Acts, by the Apostle Peter. Will you look there on page 1151? Now, in Psalm 16, there we find the word Isheol, meaning the Old Testament Hebrew. The New Testament was written in Greek, and the same is given to us in English, but from the Greek, instead of using the word Sheol, he uses the word Hades. Will you look there? 27th verse. Because thou will not leave my soul in hell, look in your margin, Hades, neither will I suffer thy Holy One to see corruption, showing to us that the Lord Jesus is going to rise from the dead. Now, will you look this? 29th verse. Men and brethren, let me freely speak unto you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried, and his sepulcher is with us unto this day. In other words, David was not speaking of himself. Therefore, being a prophet, and knowing that God has sworn an oath to him, that of the fruit of his lawn, according to the flesh, he would raise up Christ to sit upon his throne. He, seeing this before, spake of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in Hades, neither his flesh did see corruption. Now, before, the, before Christ died upon the cross, a soul, if it was saved, went to Hades, but into the place of Abraham's bosom, paradise. If a man died, we found out that his soul and spirit went to the place of Hades known as torment, and a great gulf was fixed between the two. When the Lord Jesus Christ died, now the very words lets us see that he went down to Hades, because that thou wilt not leave my soul in Hades, showing that he went there. You can't say you won't leave me unless you've been there. Did the Lord Jesus go to Hades? He went to paradise. How do you know that he went to paradise? When talking to the thief on the cross, he, and the thief said, Remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And the Lord Jesus said, Today shall thou be with me in paradise. So we knew that that day the Lord Jesus was dying, and that day he would be in Hades, and uh, that that would be Abraham's bosom, which is paradise. Now we know that he was there for three days and nights. They came to the Lord Jesus, found in Matthew, the twelfth chapter, and says, Give us a sign that thou art the Messiah. He said, No sign be given to you except the sign of Jonas. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Now we know where Hades is. It's in the heart of the earth. We find out that it's in two compartments, for the saved and for the lost. We're told this, that the Lord Jesus himself was going to be there, and the thief on the cross was going to be there the first day. And not only that, we know that he's going to be there for three days and three nights, and that only three days and three nights. Why? Because he said, I will not suffer thy holy one to see corruption. Before his body 
in the tomb could decay, the Lord Jesus would be raised from the dead. Will you look again to another portion here, the fourth uh, chapter of Ephesians? This shows us that he went down there, but in one of the epistles. The Lord Jesus went there. That's on page 1252. I beg your pardon. 1253, the fourth chapter and the seventh verse. Now we are finding out what happened when the Lord Jesus went down there. Now he went there. We know because he said, I will not leave me there. And said, then he said, you won't leave, uh, suffer thy holy one to see corruption. We know he's going to be raised before his body could see corruption. So there'd be three days. Now look at the seventh verse. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, after he died and was buried and rose again, he led captivity captive. Who are those who were captives? Those who had died from the time of Abel unto the thief on the cross. Here we are. Wherefore he ascended on high, he led captivity captive, and gave gifts unto men. Now that he ascended, what is it but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth? So the Lord Jesus in the twelfth chapter of Matthew says that he would be there for three days and three nights. Here we're told that he went into the lower parts of the earth. On his resurrection, he took the souls and spirits are those from Abel to the thief on the cross to heaven, and there are where they are now. Now, how do you know that? Let's go here to 2 Corinthians, the fifth chapter. Where do the saints go now when they die? 2 Corinthians 5. That's on page 1233. 2 Corinthians. Will you look there at the 6th verse? Therefore, we are always confident, knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord, for we walk by faith and not by sight. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Upon death, the saint does not go to Hades anymore. Is absent from the body and present with the Lord. The Lord ascended unto heaven. The Lord Jesus says, Whom do ye say that I, the Son of Man, am? And Peter said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus says, Flesh and blood hath not revealed this unto thee, Simon Barjona, but my Father which is in heaven. And upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Not the lake of fire. But the gates of Hades, there's that word Hades again, shall not prevail against it. Now, what in the world do gates do? The only thing t gates can do is open and shut. What is the Lord Jesus saying? Upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against my church, shall never close upon my church. No one since the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus has ever gone to Haiti. The first one that we knew of is Stephen. And he knew and saw the Lord standing. And he committed his spirit into his hand. No one who's saved since the cross of the Lord Jesus 
has ever gone down there. Why? The gates of Hades shall never close upon any of the church, for it's absent from the body and present with the Lord. Look over here, the ninth chapter, uh, twelfth chapter, the same great book of Second Corinthians, and we find that this person tells about that. That's on page 1238. It is not expedient for me, doubtless, to glory. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man in Christ about 14 years ago. Where in the body I cannot tell, or where the out of the body I cannot tell, God knoweth. Such a one was caught up into the third heavens. It was Paul himself. We find that over there where he was uh, uh, stoned at Lystra. Now, he says this, he was caught up into the third heavens. That's the abode of God. Well, he, someone said this, said he didn't know. Only God knew, and then how can you know? Because we go back there, find a stone, and we find out that he was still in the body. All right. And I know such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell. God knoweth how that he was caught up into paradise. Where was paradise to begin with? Before he died on the cross, in the heart of the earth. Because he so told the thief on the cross, today you're going to be with me in paradise. And then we do know that he was three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. But he led captivity captive. He's taken the souls of the saints, those that are saved, and taken them to the third heaven, to paradise. How that one was called into paradise and heard unspeakable words which is not lawful for a man to utter. Now we know that the Lord Jesus, praise God, is going to bring the souls and spirits of those saints with Him, and their bodies are going to be united with them, and so we're going to be with the Lord. Now, what about the wicked dead? When a man dies today, he still goes down to the place of torment, and we are told this, that Hades itself, Sheol rather, has enlarged itself. And for, so, since the time of the Lord Jesus, men who have died without a knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ have gone to Sheol, the Old Testament, the New Testament word, Hades, in torments. I give this as kind of, kind of fun. Will you turn over here to the 20th chapter of Revelation? Some, some years ago, I was holding a Bible conference up here at uh, Fort Myers, and uh, up here at the 20th chapter of Revelation page 1350, and I was giving just exactly what I was giving to you tonight. And I had been given something different every night on this night, where are the dead? This man uh, did not have a nice Bible like we had, and uh, brother, we were chasing him back from Genesis to Revelation, so uh, he began to bring his old family Bible. And it was uh, looked like a big old, you know, looked like a pulpit Bible, one of those big things. And when I was giving him the words where it says, and in hell, and I said, that word is Hades, he lifted up his eyes being in torment. And after it was over, he came up to me, he sneered at me, let me show you something. I said, okay. He said, look her here. And he turned all that in his Bible. Big old flop Bible, you know, where you keep records of everything, you know. Finally found it. And uh, he read there in the 16th chapter of Luke. And uh, in hell he lifted up his eye. My Bible, can you read that preacher? My Bible says H E 
L-L. That spells to me hell. <laughs> Not Hades. Hell. Oh, I said, Lord, give me, give me some quick, Lord, quick. Oh, I said, okay. I said, let's turn in your Bible over here to the 20th chapter of a Revelation. So I went over there and found it for him. We got over there, and I said, now, will you look here? All right. And the 14th verse. And death, <laughs> and I said, H-E-L-L. <laughs> uh, uh, H-E-L-L. And death and H-E-L-L were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. I said, sir, this tells us that that place, H-E-L-L, is cast into the lake of fire. Why, he said, I never saw that before. I said, your own Bible says. So we find out that death and Hades are going to be cast. When we think about death, we think of the condition of men. And Hades, we find out the place where their souls and spirits. Now we know that since the time of the Lord Jesus Christ, there has been catastrophes that the world has never seen the light. Now, will you just keep looking here? The 11th verse. And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them, no place for the earth nor the heaven. And there is no place... They fled away. And I saw the dead. They're in their resurrected bodies now. Small and great stand before God. And the books were open, and another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead, they're all wicked dead. Not a saved one here. All are wicked. And uh, the books were open. And says, and another book was opened, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. They're not going to decide whether they're going to heaven or hell. They're already all are going to hell. But there's going to be a degree of punishment in hell as there will be degree of rewards in heaven. Now here you are. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it. They knew what it meant. To have a ship to be shipwrecked and to lose everyone on board and their bodies not ever to be recovered, not to be brought back and given up burial. They were buried at sea. In all of our wars recently, in the last 200 years since America has been a nation, we find out that many hundreds, yea, tens of thousands of our men have had to be buried at sea. We know this, that during World War II, when, when the pendulum began at Wake Island and Carl Sea to go for us for the first time in World War II, all me and I had two friends on board a carrier. They were shot down or they lost, uh, lost their way because of the shortage of gasoline never made their ship and they perished. We have found out that men have died and being uh, burned alive. We know this, that what ended World War II when they 
let go two big A-bombs, and uh, they say 90-some-odd thousand perished in one city at one time. We begin to say, now where? Where are their bodies? We can understand how a body can go and go into dust. And Dr. Stanford and I have been to the catacombs, and we've been all that through there, and we've seen all of those things there. And uh, just seen the dust, that's all we did. Hardly any bone. And we begin to say, those bones are going to rise, or that dust is going to rise. That's right. God took it from the dust. He can take it again. That's no nothing. But here we find out, in one time, over 90,000 people were vaporized. We know where their soul and their spirit has gone. For it's gone down to Hades. Now, now we're speaking about the wicked dead now. Now, we're finding out here Hades is the place of their soul and spirit. And then it says death and the sea. We can understand what you mean by the sea giving up the dead that's in them. Now, we're finding out that, that this Bible written 1900 years ago, is just on time, on target, as though it's written this morning. It has the answers to where are the dead and how's God going to get them back. Oh, I can see taking them up out of the sea. It'd be just as easy to get them up out of the sea, whether they've been eaten, digested, uh, by the fish, as far as their bodies are concerned, God's going to raise it, them up. What kind of bodies they're going to have, we do not know. But you know, the thought came to me just the other night. When, and uh, I've seen most of all of these uh, rockets go up there to the moon. And I remember when they went around the moon for the first time. And as they went around, everyone was so scared to death, they did not know whether their uh, firing would go on time or not, whether it would fire, and as it went around, going around the orbit there, and they were going to come home, and as they went around, whether they could make it or not. And they were saying this, that if they did not fire at a certain time, they would continue off and off and off into space. But we do know they came around. Then we know that Apollo 13 had... Oh, how we were praying, oh, God, bring them down. But this is what we were saying. Should the Lord delay His coming, we're going to see many people going up. The other night, I saw on the television where they said that we have sent up all nations, including France, have sent up 5,280 different objects in the air. Over half of them are still up there, and we know that there are some of those things going around that have men in them, that have been in there for time, and they can't get them down. Not Americans, but others. We just saw where three lost their lives in Russia when they came down. I don't know whether they had been dead just when they got down toward the earth or whether they've been dead for a mighty long time. Now, what are you getting? We're going to say this, or you're going to find, and don't think, think it's not possible, we're going to lose some of these rockets.
with men on board. And when they miss, they're going to miss, and they'll go on and on and on and on. We have already sent up some Saturn rockets, and they said they ought to be up there in the next nine months. They're still going. That's just a Saturn. And we're in perfect contact with that machinery up there, not a man in it, of course. But don't... Don't be alarmed, and oh, it will be the, a tragic thing to send some up there, but they're going to be bound to. It's going to be a mishap sometime, either we or some other the nation, and they're going to miss where they're going, and they're going off. That's when they say when they come back into the earth, when they hit the earth's atmosphere, they're so afraid that they'll bounce on the atmosphere and go out and can't reach them at all, ever. And we do know that when they go... They can go on and on and on and on. It was that German scientist who said this, that he believed that there was an end of the universe somewhere. Then I'd like to know what's on the other side of the end, wouldn't you? Well, you know what? But then he, he has the theory, Einstein, that after the thing kept going for so many billions of years that it makes a curve, and comes back that the universe is in a curve. But this is what I want to say. There are going to be people lost in every way. The sea, yes. To be burned up, yes. The atomic bomb, yes. And then we do know that on a certain occasion in the sixth chapter of Revelation, one-third, big part, one-fourth of all the earth is going to be destroyed. Then we find in the ninth chapter, another third is destroyed. That's half of the earth is going to be destroyed. Why, no wonder it was Martin Luther who said that this book of the Revelation should not be in the New Testament. He said it couldn't possibly be fulfilled. It's easy now. He said it could never be fulfilled. We have everything right now. Why, it's easy to see. And uh, former President Johnson, Dean Rusk, and McNamara have told us that they cannot guarantee less than 80, 80 million. Big. Get that now. They cannot guarantee less than 88 millions of Americans to be destroyed in the first hour of atomic bomb warfare if we should have war with Russia. God says half of the earth is going to be destroyed soon. So they're, they're going to be just vaporized. Their souls and spirits, if they are saved, will go be with the Lord. Their bodies will be gathered. Now we're talking about the lost. If they are lost, they go to Hades, their soul and spirit. But there's going to be more deaths. And then the most tragic thing is to see a group of men go out, propelled forever, as you may say, of course they'll die without any rescue as far as their body is concerned and perish. But no matter how far they shall go in the second heaven, God says in the sea, whether it's the sea of stars or whether it's the sea of water, is going to deliver up 
the dead that is in them. And Hades will vomit out their souls and spirits, and they will be united with their bodies no matter where, whether it's been vaporized, burned, or whether they've been gone to the spaces beyond. God will have their soul and spirit unite with their resurrected, doomed and damned bodies to stand before the great white throne. Jude says they're wandering stars to whom is reserved the blackness and the darkness forever. God can call them from the ends of the second heavens and bring them back and stand. But then God says He's going to cast them into the lake of fire. And yet we find Jesus said it's going to be the darkness and the blackness forever. We know the second death, and death means separation. When a person dies the first time, it is the separation of the soul and spirit from the body. But the second death is the separation of the doomed from the presence of God, and not only that, but from each other. Have you ever talked with people saying, well, if I go to hell... I'll have plenty of company. You're not going to have any company. Oh, it's going to be a place, I believe, just what God says. A lake of fire, that's easy enough for me. If that's just a figure of speech, if hell is severe as fire, why not fire? I just think it's it's so easy to say that. If it's worse, okay, it's worse. But it's a place of outer darkness. And there are wandering stars to whom is reserved the darkness and the blackness forever. I'm not saying where hell is, but I'm telling you that 200 uh, miles above this earth is out of darkness. Have you noticed that when our men got off into their orbit, said they now have launched out into utter blackness. There's no blue, no blue skies from the moon. Everything is blackness around. 200 miles up, it's utter blackness. The only thing they can see that has light on is the sun and the earth and the moon. It's utter darkness wherever you go, 200 miles up. And talk about a lake of fire while we're surrounded by a sea of stars. One man was showing us, and he says, I would have you to know that there are as many stars in the heavens as there are atoms in the ocean water. He said, we are surrounded by a sea of stars. Remember, I remembered the lake of fire. Now, that's just what we have around us. Now, if God's got someplace else and He's got it prepared for the devil and His angels, and that's hell, but I'm just showing you just what's around us. But it's a place of utter separation, confinement, wandering stars from the presence of God and from the presence of each other, the doomed and the damned, no matter where their bodies may be. God will fetch them, bring them there and resurrect them, unite in Hades, gives them their souls and spirits, stand before God, and they're judged according to their works. But oh me, what does the Word of God say? Blessed is he that hath part on the resurrection. Upon such the second death hath no power. Will you be in the first resurrection? We talk about dying, going to heaven when we die. 
We don't have a resurrection. Should we die and go to heaven? We're going to be in that first resurrection. We're going to get a body fashioned like unto him. For our citizenship is not here upon this earth, but in heaven, from whence we look for the coming of the Lord Jesus, who shall change these vile bodies, that they may be fashioned like unto his glorious body. We be dead. The corruption shall put on incorruption. We are alive at the coming of the Lord Jesus. The mortality shall put on immortality, but we shall all be changed. Who are we? We are like those that are found in the seventh chapter of the book of the Revelation. And the man came and asked me, he said, Who are these who are arrayed in white robes? And whence came they? And I said, Sir, thou knowest. Though we don't go through the end of the tribulation, he said, These are they that came out of the great tribulation, but we are just like them. For we washed our robes white in the blood of the Lamb. We're born again. We've accepted Christ as our Savior. We believe that He died and made the complete payment for our sins in His death, burial, and resurrection. Our sins are paid for. We now have the righteousness of Him. And though, therefore, we die absent from the body, present with the Lord, then we'll get a glorified body one of these days. But the fearful, the cowards, but the fearful, the cowards, but the fearful, the cowards, who never trust Christ, and the unbelieving, and the abominable, and the murderers, and the sorcerers, and the whoremongers, and all liars, shall have their part in the lake of in the lake which burns with fire. This is the second death. But praise God to us who have in that first resurrection been delivered. The second death has no power. If we are born again twice, it's only possible to die once. But if we're only born once, we'll die twice. How are you bound? Our Heavenly Father, we just want to thank Thee for this time. Lord, just to know from Thy Word that, oh, we fight against not flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world in high places. And, oh, how we do know, Lord, that there are many, many things that come up that we may seemingly have not the answer, but you have the answer. And, oh, God, let us not go after any false doctrine, any slight of men. But, oh, Heavenly Father, may we have the true Word of God. Oh, we thank Thee that we are born of the Word, born again, not a corruptible seed of incorruptible, by the Word of God. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God, and we love You, Lord. Oh, we pray that all oh, this great group here shall therefore be set on fire by the Holy Spirit with the gospel of the Lord Jesus telling people all the impending doom that's coming. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to Make It Clear and to today's special guest, Dr. Mark Cameron. My name is Stan Pons, and I'm your host and president of Florida Bible College. If you'd like to know more about Florida Bible College and how it has classes on campus, online, and even on site, please visit our website at floridabiblecollege.com. That's floridabiblecollege.com. 
We're also very grateful for all those who support Make It Clear. It's through your prayers and financial support that we're having such a local and global impact with the truth of the gospel that so clearly states salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, for the glory of God alone. Well, if you've trusted Christ as your Savior and you would like to be a part of helping us get this message out to others, you may send your gift to Make It Clear, Post Office Box 607-901, Orlando, Florida, 32860. That's Make It Clear, Post Office Box 607-901, Orlando, Florida, 32860. Or you can go to our website, makeitclear.org. That's makeitclear.org and use the secure donate link. You may also request your free devotional called The Word for You Today. Well, thank you so much for listening today and be back next time for Make It Clear. Listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries and president of Florida Bible College in beautiful Orlando, Florida. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the Word of God with clarity into every person's world. It is the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible. You can provide your tax deductible gift to Make It Clear online by going to makeitclear.org. Or you can mail your gift to Make It Clear, P.O. Box 607-901, Orlando, Florida, 32860. Thank you for helping us make it clear. If you would like to have Dr. Pond speak at your church or event, please send us an email at tellmemore at makeitclear.org. Thank you, and remember to make it clear.